0: Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's event and volunteer operations coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our One Goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, I was sitting right here like I am now at my desk. I made the hardest call first. I had to tell my dad that it's it's no longer cutaneous lymphoma, it's systemic B-cell lymphoma, um low-grade, slow-growing, and there's this long pause, and he said, Mayor, I've been to this movie. I told him, Look, at it, it's not going to be the same movie, and he's a very upbeat person, and he kind of collected it himself, and he said, you know, it's true, it's not going to be the same movie because there are so many more advances now than there were then. It's going to be different.
0: Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteering. I'm your host and Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an amazing community, and it's through research that we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. If you look at Mary Navarro's life, she's had different titles. Daughter, bank teller, student, wife, mother, senior executive vice president, and Pelotonia participant. In 2020 alone, Mary has ridden over 500 miles and has raised more than $37,000. Mary's most recent title, though, is patient. While cancer was in her family throughout her life, Her own journey began when she noticed a small spot, no bigger than a fourth of an inch square. Let's hear more in this episode titled, Not the Same Movie.
1: I grew up in Lansing, East Lansing, Michigan, so right outside Michigan State. I'm the oldest of four girls. Grew up in a really fantastic family household. My grandparents lived nearby, and um, my dad was a banker, so I think I... um, Always sort of was interested in banking. And then when I was 16, I was uh, asked if I wanted to be a co op student, um, working, you know, going to school part of the day and then working in the afternoons at a bank. And I said, well, yeah, I'm really interested in that, but I need to call my dad and see what he says because it was for a different bank.
0: Oh, got it. And he
1: said, yeah, and he said, yeah, that's okay. You can do that. So I was a bank teller at age 16. Uh, for about two and a half years during high school and through those summers and everything. And then um, went to uh, school at the University of Colorado in Boulder, was a business major, uh, studied Spanish, um, studied in Costa Rica, met my husband actually on vacation in Colombia, not Costa Rica. But anyway, met him there, but he was from Costa Rica. And that was about 43 years ago now. So we've been married 42 years. Wow. And um, he didn't speak any English when we got married. And when we met, I my Spanish was okay, not great, but it got a lot better, you know, as time went on. And I studied business uh, classes down there and then in Spanish at the University of Costa Rica. And then my Spanish improved a lot and I ended up working at an orphanage um, for about six months and you know kids teach you lots of things that you don't hear in school so that was really good
0: and this was in uh, costa rica in you costa rica in yeah
1: i did work at that orphanage we still support that orphanage today and that's been probably now about 44 years or so that's
0: amazing when you moved to columbus uh or was it early 2000s late 90s early 2000s uh
1: january 1st of 97
0: january 1st of 97 what was, a lot of people know Huntington, uh, especially in Central Ohio, and especially part of the Pelotonia community. Um, you know, I've been around Columbus for 12 years now, and to me, Huntington's grown a ton in that time. What was Huntington Bank like, you know, back when you joined, and were they a much smaller bank, like a smaller presence in the community? What, how would you describe Huntington when you joined?
1: Um, Huntington was um, kind of quiet, I sensed from Huntington, a real passion around customers and customer service. And it sounds sort of easy to say, hard to do, but um, the people there really wanted to win. And they had a lot of uh, colleagues that had been there a long time who really knew their customers well. So I think for me taking the position that I did, it was um, clear that we needed to invest in the franchise, uh, build the brand, uh, develop products and services that were differentiated that people could get excited about, not just the colleagues, but also customers. And so that's really what we set about doing primarily in 2009. We started a lot of that 9, 10, 11, 12, and just continued it the whole time that I, that I was there.
0: 2008, 2009, that's when... you know, the idea was hatched, you know, 2007, Mm -hmm. 2008. And uh, there was a group of people who are now part of our board uh, who were really formulating the plan. And we launched our first ride in 2009. Uh, The entire thing was really underwritten by NetJets Mm -hmm. at the time. uh, And you participated that first Mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. And so what do you remember about sort of the recruitment and for seeing Pelotonia and what is this thing going on? What were your feelings around that?
1: Well, you know, at the time in my life, we were moving from one house to the next. My mother-in-law had cancer and she lives in, with all of Luis's family lives in Costa Rica. So he had gone down there and was there for six weeks to take care and help his mom and his family. And so one of our two sons was with me. Um, helping pack up, move the house. And so I hear about in May, I think I heard, well, you know, we're gonna have this bike ride in August and I kind of like to ride bikes. I had a few friends I'd ride with here and there. And I thought, oh, that sounds good. Oh, it's gonna benefit cancer research. I like that. And, um, you know, my mom had lymphoma, um, uh, B-cell lymphoma. And so the idea of it, all, just all of it appealed to me, and I also thought, well, at least I know I'll get one good ride in this summer. <laughs> and so I did not ride before Pelotonia at all. I you didn't did not train get, at all. I did not train. I did not get on the bike. I thought, well, I could just ride 50 miles. It can't be that more that difficult. Well, I only made it 35 <laughs> miles because it was a heck of a lot more difficult than I anticipated, and my bike was a big clunker. I realized um, after my 35 miles that. Um, Boy, we were really doing something special because, I don't know, it was just, I I don't know if it was I got bit by Pelotonia or it was a magical sort of thing that just happened. But it's kind of a feeling that when you see all these people on the side of the street cheering for you when, you know, I'm thinking it's just a bike ride. And I realized then it's not really about the bike ride.
0: What's so special here is that Mary and many of her Huntington colleagues were captivated early on by the selfless spirit of Pelotonia that thrives throughout our community. This wasn't just some company-wide annual event. It became so much more.
1: I think over time, too, not even very much time, Huntington started to hear employees saying, well, Pelotonia is part of our culture. This is just what we do. This is our one fundraiser that we do all together together you know, all now it's like 16,000 colleagues. Uh, It wasn't that many then, but still it it has been, uh, it became kind of woven into the bank is what I would say a big part of it and not something that's just a sponsorship. So that's how I got started with it in 2009. And I really have liked it the years when most of my family rides too. And then it's kind of a family thing. And that has been um, um, really meaningful because my husband's family, my family have been touched by cancer, killed by cancer, you know, all sorts of things that are uh, along the way, quite a few people. Um, Louise's sister, my sister-in-law died at age 52, but she lived four and a half years with um, kidney cancer, stage four again. and. Uh, The James helped her long distance. They would uh, confer with me. I would translate a little bit. Um, Spoke with um, one of the doctors at the James who would help. And he knew her case and looked at her scans and looked at everything. And sometimes the doctor would say, well, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you guys think? And I can remember two times when the team at the James said, no, do not do that. That she will Hmm. not make it through that. Don't do that. And he said, okay, but I guess what I, that is a favorite memory of mine because I know that she lived at least two or so years longer because of the work that the team at the James did to extend a hand to her doctor in Costa Rica.
0: Yeah, and that was a, really that's meaningful amazing. time. Yeah. So let's talk about sort of current day and, um, you know, you retired a couple years ago, you've participated in Pelotonia every year, and uh, some things changed in your personal life where uh, something that was close to you, the cancer community, uh, cancer had touched your family, um, took another big step in your life. Uh, <laughs> so can you share sort of the timeline and, and more about that experience? Yeah,
1: that experience really started... Um... In January this January so 2020 January I saw a very tiny 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 like a quarter of my fingernail little pink spot kind of right by my shoulder blade kind of in the whiter part of my skin otherwise I don't think I would have seen it and it didn't look like anything so I just kind of ignored it but then I it didn't go away it wasn't a bite it didn't ever have a bump or anything but when I went to see the dermatologist in February, I asked her about it. She said, it's nothing, don't worry about it. Never seen anything that like that look like cancer. So, but she gave me some cortisone cream and said, you know, if it doesn't go away, call me back. So I, in April, I went back and she asked me if I wanted a biopsy and I said, no, I don't think, I don't know, what do you think? You're the boss.
0: Right, and she yeah.
1: said, And she said, well, if it were me, I don't know, I guess I'd get a biopsy. It's kind of in a strange spot. And I said, okay, so we get a biopsy and it comes back as B-cell lymphoma, uh, April 30th. And I was really shocked. Mom had B-cell lymphoma. I know that lymphoma is not hereditary. I know it's not genetic. Uh, what I have learned since then, it is, it is familial. It tends to maybe run in the families more. So my sisters have a higher probability of getting a lymphoma. Um, not necessarily the same kind I have. And that was kind of shocking. But I wasn't really worried because they thought it was just cutaneous B-cell lymphoma, meaning it was just in the skin.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But then when um, I got connected through Doug Ullman, actually, um, with the James uh, right away, and I had a telemed with um, Dr. Bassam, Bassam William. And he said... um, you know, gee, chances are it's just in your skin. You probably won't need any treatment at all. And you have a 50% chance of never having any more lumps. So I don't know. I wasn't really even worried about it. I mean, I told my kids about it, but it was kind of like, I don't think you have to worry about anything. But then when I got, um, that was, uh, by now we're in, in May. okay. And they, he said to me, well, when you come back in a, a week, cause I had to wait to get the stitches out from the biopsy, um, come back, we'll do a lot of blood work. And I mean a lot of blood work. And and we're going to do CT scans. I said, okay. So I did all that and everything seemed fine. My blood work showed cancer, but I did have cancer. So I don't think it was surprising to anybody. Um, But then when the CT scans came back, it was pretty clear that I had had this lymphoma for quite a while because I had systemic lymphoma, like right from my neck, both sides through my By my lungs and heart and abdomen. Yeah, and this was showing up on
0: scans as as tumors.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it was um, the CT scans, and then they did a PET scan, and it showed that it was pretty active, actively growing, even though it's a slow growing uh, kind of cancer, uh, follicular is. So I don't know if I they've had it. um, Dr. Maddox told me I've had it probably two to three, maybe more years because of how far advanced it was when um, we found it. And they started me on treatments one week later after the biopsy came back as the same kind of cancer that was found in my shoulder.
0: I'm curious, you know, you, you when you initially told some of your family, you know, that you, you, it was cancer, but you didn't think it was much. And then there was a point at which that changed, you know, you got results back and and that switch flipped into, okay, Hey, this is a little more serious than we initially thought. Do you remember when that was or where you were?
1: Yeah, I was sitting right here. Like I am now at my Mm -hmm. desk. And I was listening to what they were telling me and taking notes. And I realized that, um, husband and I go sailing on Wednesday night. It was a Wednesday night. And um, he'd heard most of the news. And I told him, why don't you go sailing? I'm going to stay here. I need to call my family and tell them and our family. Uh, not everybody, but you know, our kids, my dad, sisters. So I just decided I better do that. So I made the hardest call first. I had to tell my dad that it's, it's no longer cutaneous lymphoma, the systemic B-cell lymphoma, um, low-grade, slow-growing. And there's this long pause, and he said, Mayor, I've been to this movie. He took care of my mom for 14 years, and she had quite a few good years and some really tough times as well. Um, She was never in remission she always had tumors. Uh, Her doctor told me it was really just chronic for her. She also had some heart and lung problems I don't have, but I told him, looked at, it's not going to be the same movie. And he's a very upbeat person and he kind of collected it himself. And he said, you know, it's true. It's not going to be the same movie because there are so many more advances now than there were then. Um, She's been gone for almost nine years and He said, you know, it's going to be different. And I said, yeah, it is going to be different. And I'm not going to die in 14 years for starters, uh, because she got it really at the same age as me. And she lived 14 years. Um, And I said, and beyond that, you know, think of what uh, the kind of treatments that she had and now the kinds of things that are available. And he said, yeah, I totally think that's right.
0: Mary was named one of the most powerful women in banking eight times, ranked twice as number eight. In 2017, the year she retired, American Banker also gave her the Lifetime Achievement Award. You don't receive that recognition unless you're known for making good decisions under pressure. With the stress of a cancer diagnosis right in front of her, this powerful woman went to work.
1: You know, I I have a bias for action, so the fact that I now have a cancer that a lot of people have had they have gone into remission. Some of them have progressed to a more aggressive type of cancer. Some of them make it, some of them don't. But I really like the fact that um, the team at the James, um, Dr. William and his team did not wait to come up with my plan. And then I ended up working with Dr. Maddox because she specializes more in the um, follicular lymphoma. And she concurred with the treatment because it's very standard for my type of case. So it's been really great, first of all, uh, being at the James, because I do not worry for a minute that I'm getting the right care. Yep, um, They're very proactive, on the spot, uh, empathetic, very in, encouraged about it, honestly. I mean, their anticipation uh, is or expectation is that I'm in um, remission in January. And that's my expectation. And yep. she said, I asked her, well, how long do you think I have in remission? Cause I do know that it comes back. And she said, well, the mean is six years. And I said, well, then I'm going to aim for at least 10. Yep. She said, good. I like that. It's a good idea. I don't have a reason why not, because honestly I am really overall healthy, but this has been brewing a long time. So I was a little worried that because I've had it a while and I didn't know you know, did that hurt my chances of getting in remission? And she said, no, if we're killing it, we're killing it. And so, you know, and I may may be on another 24 months of maintenance of an antibody and have infusions for that monthly, but I don't know that yet. So it's kind of like, you know, I'll go back to biking for a second because one of the nurses at the James told me, I was asking her about remission and things. And she said, "Um, aren't you a biker? And I said, yeah a little bit, you know? And she said, well, you know, when you're going up a hill, you never look to the top of the hill, do you? I said, no, I look at the next mailbox or the next trash can or something like that. No, I do not look at the top of the hill. And she said, that's what I'm asking you to do.
0: Cancer has been a part of your life uh, through Pelotonia, outside of Pelotonia for a long time. And I'm curious uh, from your vantage point, uh, you know, now, um, being a cancer patient and prior to that, you know, being a caregiver and, you know, some, an advocate for people in your life and, uh, being a community supporter, like, what do you think of when you hear the word cancer and like, how has that changed over time?
1: You know, I can remember and this is a really pretty good memory we Huntington would have these um, we would have these rallies to kick off Pelotonia weekend Friday afternoon and we would have people tell their story and I remember somebody that I met the first week I moved to Ohio and Youngstown who had um, called me because I was the liaison kind of and he said Mary you won't believe it I've got you know melanoma and they're telling me I only have six months to live and it was really serious and he was um mid 50s low low 50s actually and Greg is his name and so um I said okay well let's see what we can do to get you in here for a second opinion well the second opinion was way different than the first um he then ended up over time I mean he had he had um his bone marrow replaced he had a lot of things done i mean but his uh uh, outcome prognosis was well 10 years is what we think you have and um right now it is more than 10 years and he moved to tucson and he's still there and you know he's doing pretty well he quit working and you know just focused on trying to be healthy and get better but um you know that's a real success story and it started, I want to say that story started in 2011 or 12. There's a lot of stories like that. So I think sometimes when people first hear cancer, they're not always hearing it from people who um, are as experienced as um, the people at cancer research hospitals like the James. Yep. And so then it's hard for them to be real positive because the news is, is so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, and when you start I, out with the negative news, it's hard to turn yeah, that.
1: Yeah, right. And now I feel like the news is, yeah, there are definitely cases that are negative. In fact, my one of my two biking buddies, her husband, two days before Pelotonia two years ago, um, was diagnosed with a glioblastoma and had immediate surgery that same day, that Thursday night. And he's still alive right now um and doing pretty decent um i don't want to say great but he's doing pretty decent but that news was going to be hard to make great because there isn't a cure for that Mm -hmm. and the outcomes and the stats on it are not really great but if you ever talk to them judy or her husband um i mean he 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 knows he's sick He knows he might die from this, but he's never complained about anything and is happy and is very positive. And that's kind of how he's, oh, his disposition's always been positive and so is hers. So, um, you know, I do think it's part of your chemistry, positivity, but I also think it's sometimes what they're dealt with. And... I certainly was happy. The news that came to me first was, "Okay, you've got this little problem. It's probably not going to be a big deal." Versus, I was—they eased me into the big problem, not sure. on purpose, but that worked out just fine yeah. for me because you got
0: phased into the bad news. I
1: got phased into the bad news. I had time to reflect on my mom's cancer and how how could this be similar? Was it similar? Wasn't it similar? I had a chance to talk to her doctor, and you know, it just, um, for me, it was a disappointment on that day, but I have confidence I'm going to get cured. I look at this as a um, totally different kind of challenge than my career and work life. Um, But, you know, my Huntington family and banking family in general have been very supportive and helpful uh, during this because, you know, they send cards and texts and just, you know, in lots of different ways, show me that they're thinking about me. And, you know, it, it, all those little things add up. They really do, and they, and they do help.
0: Just like all the notes, cards, and well wishes from Mary's coworkers, family, and friends locally and around the country mean the world, so does every mile peddled, dollar raised, and hour spent raising funds for cancer research. In Mary's case, the work we're doing today is creating a longer tomorrow for so many people.
1: There's a drug that's at the FDA for approval right now called the CAR T-Cell. Um, it was That was the trial that, that was at the James and other places. And a friend of mine here has been cured with that. He was one of the uh, 10 patients on the trial and he's a big success story in that. And so that's there for approval for my type of cancer as a potential cure. Because right now for follicular, there is no cure, but you can live with it and manage it with the various types of treatments that the James and others have come come up with so I feel like I can live with it and if things are uh, approved for a cure I'm hopeful maybe I could get a cure I don't know Um, but I don't feel like this is you know this is not going to kill me or anything it is going to run a big portion of my life for a while and maybe for a long while or maybe forever, but it's uh, pretty manageable. And I guess I feel like it's a little bit of a circle here because I started with Pelotonia sort of thinking about a good bike ride for a good cause, didn't understand it very well, then realized pretty quickly, it's not about the bike. It's about curing cancer for our kids and their kids, so our grandkids, generations, to so that they aren't dealing with it like we are. And um, I'm more committed to that than ever. I volunteered at the James, actually in the chemo and lymphoma infusion group where I now go as a patient. And um, so I've seen a lot of different angles to this, but I really believe that the research has made a difference friend Steve is a good example of that because he's now cured and that drug is up for approval and it could end up curing me.
0: While her mother's story ended, Mary's continues today because of the important innovative research being done to find an end to cancer. It also underscores the need to pay attention to your own physical warning signs, no matter how small. We want to thank Mary for her openness and honesty in sharing her story as well as express our gratitude to the entire Huntington team for their dedication to our One Goal. A special thanks to our major funding partners for making this possible. The American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. This is what's coming up on One Goal. The
1: reason I ride Pelotonia is because they gave me, my
0: dad, four years with stage four colon cancer, yep. which is unheard of. I. Still question the reason, you know, why? Why me? But then later on, I found out why. You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. Season two will be hosted by me, cancer survivor and chief operating officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar, with interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blauer. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero, Additional Mastering by Joey Gerwin at Oren Judeo. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, as that will help others hear these empowering journeys. If you're curious about joining the Pelotonia community and making an impact on cancer research, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.